good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cuff, Henny Cutter Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victors. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Karagiwina. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. Hey, we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues and human issues are Native issues. Yes, you are right, Dega. This portion of the show is supported by Native American Community Development Institute, or NACDI, in Minneapolis. Hey, we're going to have Robert Lilligren on in just a minute here, and uh, I got to see him speak up on the big stage at uh, the convention center here in Minneapolis, and really excited to have him on. But before we have Robert on, Haley, uh, we have an update from the governor of Wisconsin, uh, Governor Evers. Why don't we uh, take a quick listen? Hey there, Native Roots Radio. Governor Tony Evers here with my weekly update. Making sure our workforce is prepared to meet the needs of a 21st century economy is a top priority for me and my administration, and it's one of the reasons I declared 2024 the year of the worker. I promised during my 2024 State of the State address that we'd continue pursuing every pathway to address our state's generational workforce challenges just as we have for the past five years. And one high need area of our workforce where we know we have work to do to retain, recruit, and train talented workers is our education workforce. Our teachers and educators work every day to do what's best for our kids. But recent estimates show that only 67% of new educators in Wisconsin make it past five years. So we're launching a new teacher apprenticeship pilot program to provide more mentorship and support for new educators. This new pilot program will help address issues in turnover and retention, while also bolstering and strengthening the state's educator pipeline by reducing barriers and encouraging more young people to enter the field. While student teaching can be cost prohibitive for low-income students, non-traditional students, or individuals looking to change careers, our new apprenticeship program will enable people to earn while they learn with paid on-the-job training and classroom instruction. This program will also have built-in mentorship opportunities, a key part of helping with retention and building networks of support for new teachers. What's best for our kids is what's best for our state, and this new apprenticeship program will help keep class sizes small and reduce barriers for folks to jumpstart their careers in education. That's a win-win for our kids, our schools, and our workforce, too. Thank you. Back to you, Robert, and Native Roots Radio. Wow, 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 wow. That was an awesome update. Hey, we have Robert Lilligren, uh, CEO of Native American Community Development Institute here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. And uh, uh, we just so happened to get a report the same day you come on, Robert. That was pretty inspiring. Yeah, very inspiring. Uh, You mean the comments of Governor Evers? Yes, I agree. I agree. And uh, you were kind enough to mention a speaking opportunity I had today, and I was so glad you could be there. But I was talking about this kind of this workforce engagement and development as well for our tourism and hospitality industry workers. Over 30,000 people in Minneapolis work in hospitality and tourist fields. Yeah, you did an awesome job. I heard, I hope you heard me yelling. Uh, oh, yeah. And- I heard a lot of our native peeps. That's so right. folks, I'm, <laughs> I chair the board here as, as of this year of our Convention and Visitors Association. It's called Meet Minneapolis, and not surprisingly, I'm the first native chair of this organization. And so we had several tables of native uh, representation. I'm sure it was the highest native attendance at this kind of fancy schmancy downtown lunch event and yeah yeah i, I told all my peeps i want to hear some noise when i take the <laughs> stage and i did i was very satisfied that was awesome <laughs> i you know i it was really interesting too uh the last person speaking 
about the way the uh, economy was, uh, and he put it out there in black and white. And I thought, wow, this is really, really interesting on how uh, we really aren't in a recession because everybody's working, but the prices are going up, but also labor costs are going up. Right, right. I thought that was amazing. Every year at this event, we have a, a sort of an insider uh, professional in the hospitality and tourism industry that comes in and really puts out some good data. And this guy was great. I mean, he was fast and furious, and he overlaid a lot of the broader economic trends over on the recovery of mm -hmm. tourism and convention business. And Really, overall, he was really enthused and positive about what he was presenting to us and, and kind of where the wealth is and who's controlling it. And, you know, it's not an equitable economy at all right. yet, uh, and hopefully it will be someday. But there is money in the economy. People are spending it. And um, and he really he talked about the impact of uh, the pandemic. Right. on individuals and household uh, incomes and resources and savings. And and he made the correlation that um, Americans through the pandemic era saved, literally put into savings, $1.5 trillion. And the total of the federal COVID uh, support to individuals and households was $1.5 trillion. Yeah. So people didn't have anywhere to spend that money, so they tended to save it. And now it's um, in a more regulated way being reintroduced into the economy, especially the travel economy. You know, I don't want to get too deep into this, but 20 years ago that uh, he talked about the Gen uh, uh, the the Gen, um, what are we again? The Gen uh, the we're boomers, my friend. But he yeah, was talking right. about Gen X, right? <laughs> no, but what so was interesting? Poser, you Gen X poser. <laughs> That's right. Hey, uh, so the uh, the boomers were uh, not the big spenders twenty years ago, and now right. they are, and they have most yeah. of the wealth. And I thought that was really interesting because a lot of the things that are happening and that have to do with uh, the uh, your organization is that we have a lot of people spending money on trips and vacations and, and going places. That's true. And the organization being me, Minneapolis, not Native American Community Development Institute, but you're right. And, uh, and it was really interesting that 20 years ago, Gen Xers were actually outspending boomers, but now that's totally been flipped on its head. Um, and it's boomers and not the older ones, which I thought was interesting. I think it was up to age 69. That's where a lot of the wealth right now lives and it's people who are now spending their money on a lot of it is on travel or overall experiences right. right and so but travel being being a popular one well i was apologizing to a few people in, on my table about that fact about, <laughs> about the wealth of uh of yeah boomers. that's you robert you're controlling all the wealth and you robert <laughs> Sorry, Haley, you're coming up though, uh, around the around the bend. Yeah. You're, you're you're not as bad off as the Gen Xers, they said. Yeah, well, right. I, I I definitely feel the money shortage on this end. <laughs> well, that's uh, well, now, another interesting thing was how uh, millennials are really shifting the workforce into much more of a part time workforce, yeah. and that Gen Xers did not work part time; they weren't interested in it. But now millennials are really stepping into this part-time space, which is, you know, we need to adapt, right? That's what our mm -hmm. workforce looks like now. And one other thing, and I, I, I really appreciate the invite and being there. And the one other thing that he said, too, which really got a lot of applause, was that hire people without a degree. I love that. Yeah. So here's my dirty little secret. I don't have a bachelor's degree. I don't have a college degree. I've had tons of training, gone to trade schools, but I'm just not a very academic person. And I know a few others in native leadership who have who don't have degrees. And and yeah, if that's a requirement, there's a lot of people who aren't gonna clear that threshold, a lot of qualified people. So well, I thought that was really interesting. 
Yeah, I did too. We're going to take a break, but that also brings up to what uh, Governor Evers was talking about too, you know, and it all mm-hmm. kind of goes hand in hand. Hey, here we're with Robert Lilligren. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. When we heal from our traumas, when we face our fears, let go of our addictions, when we relearn our values, when we live our teachings, respecting our elders, cherishing and honoring our children, when we honor and take care of our spirit, there will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Signing up for $1 bus and train rides with the Transit Assistance Program, or TAP, is quick and easy. Do it straight from your computer or phone by uploading one of the pre-approved documents listed at metrotransit.org TAP, along with a copy of your ID. We'll mail you a go-to card with a full year of discounted rides. For questions or translation help, call 612-373-3333. 612-373-3333. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. February is AM 950 Listener Appreciation Month. We can't run the station without you, and we wanted to show you how much we appreciate you listening to us. How it works is pretty simple. Throughout February, we'll ask you to like posts on Facebook, sign up for our e-newsletter, and call into the shows. When you do, you'll have a chance at winning prizes like gift cards to restaurants, tickets to our listener appreciation events, and much more. It's our way of thanking you for being a listener to AM 950. You are appreciated. Thanks from everyone at the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, AM 950. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by All My Relations Arts and their current gallery exhibit, Okizi, in partnership with the American Swedish Institute, running now until April 13th at 1414 East Franklin Avenue, Minneapolis. Wow, good read there, uh, Haley. Hey, we're here with uh, Robert Lilligren, uh, CEO of Native American Community Development Institute here in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, the Twin Cities. And uh, Robert, I just wanted to kind of revisit that. We just uh, talked at the very end there about having a degree. I just know so many uh, people and the big... The big thing for me when I was a teacher, a lot of people were uh, in the education business were really pushing degrees as opposed to maybe mm-hmm. uh, carpenters or bricklayers. Trade and here school. we are, yeah. right, trade school. Here we are, you know, years later, and uh, we don't have enough uh, tradespeople. Right. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, just, just towards the end of last year in the state of Minnesota, our governor uh, through executive order, eliminated the requirement for college degrees for like 75% of state jobs. And that will just open up those jobs to a whole new pool of candidates. And, you know, for me, this goes to kind of equity and hiring and things. And, uh, and you know, if the people who are making the rules about hiring are trying to make rules that reflect them and their, you know, histories and their, you know, privileges uh it's going to look a certain way right but if you open it up you're going to find people that may be qualified in ways that you didn't even understand or acknowledge so i I think this is an exciting exciting development and as someone who went to what at least two different trade schools i'm a big advocate for uh for trade schools and for reestablishing those paths i'm sure through your uh, career in education robert you've seen some of that uh, trade school pathway be dismantled, right? Yeah. Because everyone was so committed to a, a college track. And now I think yeah. we need to kind of go back to these, these a range of opportunities. Yeah, and you know, uh, my class, uh, film and video, and then oh. also I taught music too, was uh, on that track. 
Sure. It was crazy because it seemed like for a period of time that we had a lot of our college educated uh, brothers and sisters or former students that were working at a, a, a bank for 14 bucks an hour where, you know, they were crying for bricklayers to make 40 bucks an hour after six months of uh, technical school. And so that was crazy. And with the big debt. Right, right. Nope, it is crazy. And you see the trades now, and especially working, you know, with uh, unions and things. They mm -hmm. they understand it. They need to be recruiting workers. They need to be diversifying their ranks. And so they're trying to establish these strategies that will get people into these skilled work people. And, and it, you know, it's, it's encouraging to see, but it's happening very slowly. Yeah, it is. It is. Wow. Uh, so... Uh, that was a really cool and interesting day. Uh, Minneapolis is, uh, you know, whenever I read bad things about Minneapolis, they're from people that don't live in Minneapolis. And I think Minneapolis right. has really made a big rebound uh, since COVID and George Floyd. I know things aren't going to be the same, but, you know, I... I feel like Minneapolis is on a big rebound and today uh, proved it by a lot of statistics, uh, especially by that last speaker. But I, I also want to talk to you a little bit about what you had to say and what is the definition and how can we support here in Native Ritz Radio or just uh, around Turtle Island? How can we support uh, not only Native businesses, but Native tourism? Right. So that's a big priority of mine for my year as chair of this organization is to really lift up opportunities for Native tourism uh, in the city of Minneapolis, in our region here, the Twin Cities region, and, and in our state. And, and it's just kind of an interesting um, challenge here in the city. And there's fairly robust infrastructure around Native tourism that tends to be government to government, specifically state government to tribal government. And so when you have a city like Minneapolis where there isn't a sovereign nation that occupies these lands, how do we lift up native tourism here when you know, we have such a convergence, a density of native um, interests? You know, for millennia, this was an important cultural place. We have two rivers that converge here, the Mississippi and the Minnesota. Uh, we have sacred places like Spirit Island and, and others, uh, Wakan Tipi right on the river. And there's a huge interest, not nationally and certainly internationally, in indigenous cultures, indigenous history and practices. And there are dozens and dozens of efforts going on right here in our region to increase uh, awareness and sort of formalize native practices like walk on teepee um, yeah. as i know you're very familiar with it and yeah. so so here we have a chance now to work with our tribal partners our urban partners and really bring forward this idea of native tourism and and i'll tell you robert even right after today's lunch event it was a big event 600 people or something like yeah. that but we um the ceo of Meet Minneapolis, and uh, you know, pulled me aside, and we went out. And I don't know if you noticed, there's a sort of a flat, grassy land right in front of the um, convention center. And he said, oh. "You know, what do you think of you know doing something with the tribes and having sort of tribal identifiers in this space and build awareness that way?" And I'm like, well, "Let's do it," you know. And, uh, and so that just felt really good. You know, it's like we have this yeah. we have this priority of lifting up native tourism here's a project yep. that can help do it so it's exciting yeah. for me well it's exciting for everyone when you when you say that that was brought up to because if you go uh, people come to the uh, convention center i know i had relatives in town just a week or two ago with the volleyball uh from oh, yeah. all over the country and it was huge if we had a big old metal teepee out front and saying, look, Dakota, Lakota land, uh, occupied yeah. Ojibwe and Ho-Chunk or some little plaque up there, that 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 uh, gets me going, too. And, yeah, it matters, right? And, and also, I think it's a good opportunity for the urban community here to work with the tribal communities. And I feel like the more opportunities we can frame up 
for that level of collaboration, cooperation, I think the better for, for all indigenous people that live here. Absolutely. Just uh, recognizing, uh, you know, this is Lakota, Dakota land and Ojibwe land. Yes. And, uh, uh, you know, the, I don't know if I talked to you about this, but I heard uh, through one of our other guests in the last couple of weeks, which still kind of stuck with me and kind of blew my mind was that, and uh, I don't know if we talked about, but in Minneapolis, and they got their information from public schools in Minneapolis that there's over 150 different tribes uh, sure. that are in the Minneapolis area. That blew my mind. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I know a lot of the organizations that we collaborate with have dozens and dozens of tribes represented. And, and that starts to get to some of the challenges of how to sort of organize and uh, an urban Indian community. And, you know, in the state of Minnesota, we have 11 federally recognized tribes, you know, some communities as well. And we have our infrastructure on the Minnesota uh, Indian Affairs Council, which is a piece mm -hmm. of the state government. But that is still so very, very much um, government to government, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about 100 plus tribal citizens that live live here that's leaving out a significant amount yeah. of the population the native population who doesn't have a government-to-government -government relationship within our state and so how do we broaden this and always respecting supporting and uplifting the sovereignty of our 11 federally recognized tribes and creating a way for the um tribes from that aren't from minnesota how are they mm -hmm represented how are they protected through the government process yeah and i know in school like uh you know with the with the groups that uh you know the the funds that could happen you just had to if you were uh, and, and it was different in saint paul i think than in other mm -hmm. parts of the country but if you if your grandmother or grandfather were enrolled you could get the services and you didn't have to have sure. a uh uh, IDs saying that you were enrolled at another tribe. We just had to prove it and, and get the services out there, whether it's Indian ed or, mm -hmm. uh, or field trips or money paid for or sports or things like that, that, uh, that all the tribes can, um, uh, tribal members from different tribes can, um, uh, do. And so hopefully something like that city-wise or state-wise can be worked out too, just, uh, the kind of the proof of lineage and, Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's huge. Right. And, uh, and we've also had these conversations and I'm not an education person. I know you are. And, uh, but, uh, uh, as resources come in that, um, support indigenous people, native American people, there are pipelines that's uh, funding and mm -hmm. resources that specifically support American Indian students. But then yeah. we have indigenous people from South of the border, and, yeah. and so it kind of complicates that conversation. Are are these families and students eligible for some level of support as well? It's, hey, it's Robert, complicated. Can you can you stay on another segment? Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I feel like we we need to talk a little politics here in uh, ah. in the next segment. Hey, we're with Robert Lilligren, our friend. Uh, and uh, seal, seal, glass ceiling breaker, as I uh, saw today. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking a little politics here and finishing up with Robert. Hey, this is Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Hey, if you're like a lot of people, you're probably relieved that the holiday celebrations are over. But there's one thing that might stay with us from the holidays besides all those gifts, and that's COVID-19. Numbers from COVID are going up as we spend more time inside. And Native Americans are seeing even bigger case spikes. With all the indoor celebrations over the holidays, you may have unknowingly been exposed to someone with COVID-19. That's why it's important to stay vigilant. If you notice any symptoms like a fever, a tickle in the throat, or heavy fatigue, Take an at-home test. They're still free and can be ordered at sayyeshometest.org. If you do test positive, you're eligible for free treatment, and no health insurance is required. 
Visit health.state.mn.us to connect with providers and receive your treatment. Let's make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. Life can be hard. Sometimes it feels like there's no answers, like there's no way out. Hennepin County's COPE Mobile Crisis Response is here to listen and help you find a way through whatever is going on in your life. Call 612-596-1223 for no-cost crisis support anytime, anywhere in Hennepin County. That number is 612-596-1223. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. All My Relations Arts presents Okizi. Okizi means to heal, and the exhibition highlights the healing power of cultural revitalization for Native communities. Okizi showcases prints, mixed media, textiles, beadwork, digital collage, and glass sculptures by Native American and Sami artists. It explores Indigenous communities' active healing efforts through language revitalization, land-back movements, and embracing traditional knowledge. Visit All My Relations Arts to experience Okizi through April 13th. More information at allmyrelationsarts.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. Are you remote workers putting your company at risk? Not sure what steps to take to secure your data? Hi, Mark Sommerfeld from Rymark. The Rymark team is guiding our clients through these difficult times. In fact, demand has been so high, we created an easy-to-follow guide with the five steps to securely work from home. It's yours free. Download our five steps to securely work from home now at rymarkit.com or call 651-328-8900 for a no-cost how-to discussion. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Clear tonight with a low of 34, and Friday sunshine with a high of 58. Every bite at Maverick's Real Roast Beef is a taste of perfection. And there's so much more than roast beef. Don't miss the Philly steak sandwiches, BLT, crispy chicken, and more. They're on Lexington Avenue in Roseville, one block north of Larpenter Avenue. Visit maverick'sbeef.com. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. A great sponsor and a great organization. We really, uh, one of the first sponsors seven years ago of Native Ritz Radio. Hey, we're here with Robert Lilligren, Native American Community Development Institute here in Minneapolis, the CEO and president among uh Many other organizations. We always joke about the eighteen. I think it just turned to nineteen, didn't it? Today, or <laughs> I think it's seventeen. I think <laughs> we're at seventeen. <laughs> and uh, we we uh, like to catch up. And it, it was funny uh, last week, Robert. I don't know if you knew this, but I was outside of McDonald's doing with their strong right. Wi-Fi doing a radio show, and I felt like, wow, we were on a roll. <laughs> I hate to, hated to cut you off, uh, and uh, but there's a lot going around nationally and locally. Uh, Super Tuesday is coming around the corner. Uh, yeah. Trump, Trump seems just, to be getting more and more uh, <laughs> votes uh, as it goes. Yeah. But if you do the math with uh, Nikki Haley's taking some of that and some of it might come Democrat. But then we also have our 
own issues with people that aren't voting. And poor Dean is only getting two two percent of the vote. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, and here in Minnesota, uh, Tuesday night was caucus night. Yes, the EW caucus. Yeah. So yeah, I couldn't uh, this week, but but I normally do. Sure. And I had, I did caucus, but I haven't done it for ten years. Maybe I used to do it every year, every cycle, but mm-hmm. I needed a little, little break. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, so we have so much movement in the presidential race. You know, we have the Supreme Court mm-hmm. that um, has now agreed to hear Trump's immunity case, and that's a bit of a concern. And yes. there's been lower courts that have said he's not immune, and of course. Trump's argument is that anything he calls discharging presidential duty while he was a president, including inciting an insurrection on January 6th, he is immune to prosecution. And so several other lower courts have kind of laughed that out of out of court. Now the Supreme Court has agreed to hear it. You know, they can slow roll this so there wouldn't be a, a decision handed down until after the election. And they kind of feel like the Supreme Court is slow rolling us right into a dictatorship yeah i you know some of the the uh, response to it early on before the supreme court said that they were going to take this on is like well that means biden could maybe even do something before if he loses the election and puts uh, trump into jail or something i mean it's ridiculous right. and crazy well right or what the lower court judge asked is if Joe Biden uh, directed the SEAL teams to take out a political enemy, is he immune? And essentially, Trump's lawyer said, yeah. So that makes people start to think what Joe Biden could do and get away with while he's still president. So I mean, it's a yeah. ridiculous case. Our, our Supreme Court could have just refused to hear it, and then the lower court rulings would stand. And, and the fact that you know, I said this on the show. I said it a lot. I do not think our Supreme Court is legitimate anymore. No. I don't think that they can dispense justice for a majority of Americans. I don't think they're interested in dispensing right. justice for a majority of Americans. And um, when Trump speaks, they act. I read a commentary today that called it a uh, fetch that they're paid, you know, <laughs> Trump throws the stick and they go fetch it, right? And so. Wow. So it's a little, it's scary. It really is, especially, uh, you know, I was thinking earlier, it's like, well, the Supreme Court did good on ICWA, but that was another thing which really surprised me in a good way. Uh, Mm -hmm. But this doesn't surprise, this this frightens me too, because I think their their, uh, rationale is that no no state should, uh, what, uh, what uh, what word am I looking for? No state should um, have that much power over an election. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was their rationale, and other you know, and we're sitting here going, "This guy did an insurrection, and he's he's insane." Right. Dude, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so Illinois just booted him, up, booted him off the ballot. Right. So we'll see where where that goes. But yeah, I've never seen anything like this, and with these. Uh, early primaries and things and, you know, looking sort of at the Republican numbers. Uh, there's Republicans who think that even though Trump is winning these by double-digit uh, margins, that they're seeing risk there, that this really isn't going all his way. His margins aren't nearly what polls indicated. And so, so there's some kind of dynamic happening there as well. Yeah. Well, I, the big uh, national media is talking about is uh, Biden too old, and yet we see and hear speeches from Trump saying outrageously thing, outrageous things that, and, and mispronouncing words that makes you wonder, is he too old, and is he going, right. does he have an onset of dementia, but nobody talks about right. that. Right. I think we'll start hearing more and more of that. I can only imagine. And I think we can just acknowledge that they're both old, right? They're <laughs> old candidates. Four years ago, they broke the record as the oldest man to run for president. So four years later, they're breaking their own record. Right? Yeah. And I have to say, it's a little disappointing that yeah. we're not someplace else, but these are our candidates. And I read another commentary this week that 
compared sort of the mental state of Biden and Trump. And this expert's uh, belief was Biden's brain is aging. Trump's brain is dementing. Yeah. And with each sort of public appearance, it can attract the deterioration in his mental state. And, and so I guess you have to pick which old man <laughs> do you want to be, you know, have his finger on the you know, nuclear codes and be the, um, be, you know, be running this country. Yeah. Well, and this country is so racist. One of the biggest problems that I see with Biden is that people are racist towards his vice president thinking that he's old, that she's going to end up being president. And I'm like, give me a break. We went through hell with, with Trump. She can't right. do any worse than that and won't do worse than that. We'll do a lot better. My God. That is a pretty low bar, Robert, but yeah. I would welcome a president Harris if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the alternative, putting his hands in a demented uh, wannabe dictator, is just too dangerous. And mm-hmm. we'll have to all figure out how to join hands and get into the uh, voting booths in November. And you know, looking at Michigan and their uh, their primary race, and of course they had a protest mm-hmm. vote, right? There was right. a movement to vote um, undecided right. as a protest vote for the Biden administration's positions on the. Uh, Israel, Israel. Israel. Yeah. And so good. I think that was good. Mm-hmm. Their goal was, I think, to get 10,000 undecided votes. They got 100,000. They got over 100,000. Oh. Actually. And so it sends a message, right? We yeah. are, people are not happy with what this right. administration's doing. And here's your opportunity to do better. And I don't know, it was reported yesterday and it was something to come out this week, uh, Friday or Thursday about, uh, about the border, uh, that, uh, Biden may try and do a, uh, a presidential order about that seeing that the, the legislature, uh, is, or I should say the Senate is not uh, moving on it. And it's sickening to see this new speaker of the house talk about, Spooing out, yes, the border's broken, and you guys, you know, in one, and then in the same breath, you got to say back to him, you guys had a chance to fix this, and people were welcome to that uh, bipartisan right. vote. Right. Well, President Biden was at the border today, so was Trump, and I haven't been able to follow up on that yet, so I don't really know yeah. what happened, but to the congressional inaction on this, and and the deal that Congress had to vote on was there. It was the Republicans' deal. They yep. had everything. It wasn't that sweet of a package, but at least no. it did something, right? And because Trump didn't want the um, Biden administration to have any successes here, he sunk it, and he convinced enough Republicans to step away from this that they couldn't even pass their own bill. And, yeah. uh, and I just think that shows where. The, where their values are, the Republicans in Congress, and where Trump's values are. He doesn't care who, you know, if this country succeeds, he cares about himself. So was Mitch McConnell talking in code about uh, about Trump and kind of why he, even though he's 82 years old, why in the longest serving uh, senator, uh, is he talking code about i'm getting out because this is insane and trump trump's insane you know that's such a good question i really was i'm interested in mcconnell's announcement he's the longest serving senate leader ever mm-hmm. in the yeah. history of this country and uh and he's 82 which you know is around the age of our presidential candidates right and so mm-hmm. I, I kind of viewed it as by him well, first off, he's been having challenges, right? We've seen him right. freeze up in public twice, which is really terrifying to yeah. watch. And also, he's mitigating the criticisms that Trump is too old, you know, and I guess in some ways that Biden is too old to run for office by stepping aside. Yeah. You know, he takes away this argument that, well, look at McConnell, he's old and he's still, right. still in office. But I have a hunch that it's connected to his health more mm-hmm. than more than just about anything. But you yeah. mentioned Congress as well. And one of the things that has me losing sleep and pulling my hair out is this inability for Congress to do their basic job and right. approve a budget, right? And so 
Here we uh, it's go. shredding confidence in the U.S. economy. It's lowering our um, credit ratings with the bond or bond ratings mm-hmm. with the bond houses, which means money costs more money, and so that hits the taxpayers right in the bottom line. And they just keep messing around with this, and so finally we have a continuing resolution that lasts a week. <laughs> we uh, in the last one, you know, and. So March 8th, we'll lose about half the federal funding. March 20-something, second maybe, the other half. And it's a, and it's it's a, such a fundamental obligation of yeah. the House, especially, to approve a budget. And they can't even do that. Yeah. So they're not, they're not governing by any stretch of the imagination. They're just positioning. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Wow, Robert! Thank you so much for spending uh, spending your evening with us. The beginning of the evening, it's uh, it's warm again. We had one day of winter, and now it's fifty degrees yeah, again. It's bad, so yeah. <laughs> get out I'm and walk around the lake. Walk around the lakes and thank, yeah. and get Good on your bike. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I will. I'm about there. And right nice on. Hey, Robert Lilligren, Big Peeny Gigi. You're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and that was Robert Lilligren of Native American Community Development Institute here in Minneapolis, our Thursday guest. We'll be right back. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving, getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. The latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Guest host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis Air dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis Air on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month, right here on AM 950. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. How? 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 Good one. Hey, one in a row. Hey, that was uh, awesome to have Robert Lilligren on, and uh, what what work he does in the community just uh, it amazes me. It totally amazes me. So we're lucky to have him on and and talk about a few things each week, and uh, we're really lucky to have all our guests and especially the regulars, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just I love when Robert Lilligren comes on, and it's always funny to joke about all of the titles that he has. <laughs> <laughs> Very prestigious. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I just uh, before I forget, though, we uh, I want to give a big birthday shout out to uh, one of our friends. I know um, you know her quite well, Amy Lone Tree, uh, Ho Chunk Nation. Uh, citizen, happy birthday, Amy. Uh, another Pisces birthday. I got a shout out there, but um, there's a story here that I don't think we've talked about yet, Robert, on Native Ritz Radio. Um, and this came out a couple days ago. It was, uh, it's actually right here in Minnesota, uh, a story here in Minnesota. 
um, a 12-year-old piano prodigy here from White Earth Nation. Jamie Little Wolf has taught himself to play piano on his little sister's toy piano growing up. And uh, the article that I was reading, uh, it, it just sounds like Jamie is so talented and has already taught himself Beethoven songs of classical wow. on the piano. He's only 12 years old, so... Jamie, uh, just a huge congratulations. Oh. Keep making music. That's really amazing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you're coming in and out a little bit all of a sudden, Haley, and freezing. That's a, a boomer. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit this weekend. I know uh, your birthday's coming up, so are you registered anywhere where people can uh, buy you a gift? Are you registered at Target or any anything or any jewelry store? She's shaking her head yes. Can you? She can't hear me. So I think we're losing out a little audio. Uh, the Somebody's gaming in the area, probably taking their uh, internet down. Uh, are you able to hear me, Haley? Okay, she's not. So I have to do the do the show uh, by myself. I'm gonna, just going to really talk about uh, the play that we're going to go see starting uh, March 2nd through the 9th. And we had a guest on a couple of days ago about uh, the play Bear Grease. And it's written by Crystal Lightning. And she's Cree and MC Red Cloud, um, a.k.a. Lightning Cloud. Bear Grease is a Treaty 6 indigenous twist on the classic musical Grease featuring an all-indigenous cast. This hilarious twist of the 1978 classic remains the beloved musical as culturally relevant and indigenous humor and pride. And that is going to be at uh, the Gremlin Theater here in St. Paul, 550 Vandalia Street, uh, Suite 177. And again, that's St. Paul, Minnesota. And you can pay as you can but the suggested price is 30 uh 35 dollars Haley, are you there i am sorry about that my internet connection is a little fuzzy right now i was just saying somebody was driving <laughs> by gaming and they took your internet there and they're, they're gaming outside your door like i was at mcdonald's yes <laughs> just sucking all that good <laughs> wi-fi right on out but did you hear hopefully you got to hear my story on uh jamie little wolf from white earth no we didn't you didn't. Okay. Well, shout out to Jamie Little Wolf. It was a story. Oh, oh about the piano player? Yes. 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 We did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> I do listen to the show. I do really. Oh, okay. I really do. That's then good. I, then I was just talking about Bear Grease because uh, that was in front of me. And again, I just want to say the dates real quick before we move on with a few things that you, you have in your uh, medicine bag about what's happening this weekend. Uh, March 2nd. Uh, at 7.30, rock your mocks night. I'll be wearing my mocks. Uh, March 3rd, it's 2, 2 p.m., and um, which I believe is Saturday, so that's uh, Elder's Day. So, you know, people like me that uh, can't stay up late will go to the 2 p.m. one. Then they swing and start again on March 7th, uh, Auntie's Night. March 8th, uh, Native Bling Night. Uh, March 9th, Youth Day, that ought to be good. And then March 9th at 7.30, 1950s costume contest. And again, I will dress up like uh, I was, uh, you know, in a in the big uh, AIM fight down in uh, Standing Rock or wherever. But uh, so, uh, Haley, can you hear me? Uh, what else do we got going now that I've uh, exhausted the new Native Theater uh, Bear Grease play? Oh, well, since we're on the topic of new Native Theater, I just want to shout out, I think that they're still looking for um, a two-spirit powwow coordinator. Um, so if you or anyone you know is really great at uh, putting together a big uh, celebration, a powwow, reach out to New Native Theater or check them out at newnativetheater.org. Um, but I also just want to mention that uh, today is a leap day, which I'm, hopefully we all are aware of that. Every seven um, years, somebody has a birthday today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> we love birthdays. Um, yeah, I, I just, hopefully, did you hear my Amy Lone Tree shout out? Her birthday was yesterday. No, I didn't. Um, shout it out again. You were, well, yeah. happy birthday, Amy. <laughs> yeah, and we'd love to get Amy back in the town. Uh, we're we're kind of talking about doing another book reading at all my relations in between the shows. Um 
and uh, have Kathy Coates come in and, and talk about the book because that was such a smashing, smashing success. Oh, absolutely. I know I'm, I'm taking that book on the plane with me this weekend. So I'm excited to get a couple chapters and read some more information about the history of Ho-Chunk here in Minnesota yeah. and all about, you know, what happened down in Mankato. Yeah. Um, I just also want to shout out today is uh, the last day of February, the leap day, the 29th. It is also the last day of Black History Month. So yeah. uh, we just always want to recognize and lift up our BIPOC and our black relatives and we're in this together. Um, and then tomorrow now, is the first day of women's history month. And I want to give a shout out to the Afro indigenous uh, people who, uh, who uh, call themselves that because they, they're uh, have, like you said, the BIPOC people. And, and then we got the, I, I don't know here in this house and, uh, and in New York, uh, every day is a uh, women's day. So, that's yeah. good that everyone else is celebrating that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, speaking of really great uh, women's history, I want to mm -hmm. mention uh, uh, Lily Gladstone's win again uh, this past weekend at the 30th Annual SAG Awards. Uh, Lily took home Best Female Actor in a Leading Role for, again, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, we can, I'm hoping that she, well, I, I kind of have a little hunch that she's going to win that Oscar, but... Uh, just again, the Oscars will be airing Sunday, uh, March 10th, and hopefully all of Indian Crunchy will be tuning in. Yeah, well, it's always, not always, but a good high percentage, I don't know, 90%. If you win the Golden Globes, you're more than likely going to win an Oscar. It's a prequel to that, and she won the Golden Globes, so um, you, we'll be looking forward to that. And uh, i got to watch that movie again. It's on Apple uh, TV, I have to sit down. It's three hours and 30 minutes, but it flies by. And now that it's on TV, you can take a pause. Um, and especially in the beginning, it's, it's pretty horrific. Uh, the first 20 minutes of the, of the movie with all the murdering of native Americans, um, in cold blood. So, uh, you have to be in a good spiritual, um, mind and uh, place to be able to watch that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely have some support uh, watching that show. It can be a little triggering for some. Um, I know also one of Lily's films that I really enjoyed was The Unknown Country. Um, and that talked about her. I know in that movie, her role, her character was actually working in Minneapolis. And they, they mentioned Minneapolis in that film quite a bit. Well, and as you know, Haley, we're really proud here in Minneapolis because we have one of the most thriving urban native communities in the country here. Not the biggest, but one of the most uh, thriving. And uh, we're really happy to be part of that. And, uh, uh, you know, every, everywhere we go, we see a native and an eagle. Oh, That's so true. <laughs> that is so true. Always, uh, I heard something the other day. It was, keep your head up. If not, you won't see the eagles. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you're like me, sometimes I think I saw an eagle, but it was not. And I oh, yeah. But I, <laughs> I got the binoculars out and the phone. And hey, want to give a big shout out to uh, Robert Lilligren. I want to give a shout out to Wendy Pilot, who's listening and who gave me a big yes about that. Uh, what I said about every day's Women's Day. And I just want to say we're still here. We are the seventh generation. And free Leonard Peltier. Now. This thing I